All right, Gareth, so thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. How's it going? Uh, not too bad. Like I said, you just beforehand, um, sleep last night wasn't wasn't amazing. So uh, I've been up, I've been for a walk, I've had a coffee. Okay. Kind of sort of forced myself to 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 be clear. Yeah, <laughs> my sleep was so good that I didn't want to get out of bed. So that's what my problem is this morning. I'm really actually struggling with the darker mornings, to be honest. Yeah, I think, look, um, I, I don't sleep with blinds closed or anything like that. But Me I, too, I, neither do I. Because I, I really don't like waking up in a dark room. You know, mm. I've, I've been in relationships where it's it becomes a bit of an argument where, you know, close the blinds or pull the blinds. Oh, no, 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 I'm not waking up in a dark room. But um, <laughs> now I'm, I'm sort of, depending on what time you get up, um, waking up in a dark room and it's not really pleasant. So there's two options. There's get used to it or just sleep later. <laughs> yeah <laughs> very good and um so first of all um your work really interests me because you were posting a lot about um on Instagram you were posting a lot about um stress and injury and like as soon as I see the word stress or stress management I'm automatically um really interested in it so um Tell me a wee bit about your work, first of all. Um, I know that you're a, a performance, uh, is it a performance psychologist? Yeah. Yeah, so tell me a wee bit about that and your work that you're doing with the, the team in Derry and all that. So, um, yeah, so my title is a, a performance psychologist. That's what my master's is in. Um, kind of takes on multiple roles because it's, it's not specifically sport. Um, sport plays a big part in it. But it's it's performance across the board. So, like if I was to give an overview of clients that I'm working with, um, yes, a lot of them are athletes in in multiple different sort of sporting domains. But it's also performance with regards to the arts. So I would I would work with with actors or I would work with writers, things like that. Um, and then there's there's a, a a big bulk of it which would be life coaching as well. It's kind of like. Uh, a, a life coach but with a master's you know um life coach because <laughs> I, I i've worked with life coaches before like as in i've had and I, I i still have my own life coach but it's it's a different type of qualification whereas this mm. this one was um performance psychology and it just so happened to, to give you the tools to kind of life coach too so um it's it's quite broad uh the way i see performance is anything that you can rate out of 10 at the end of the day as a performance so that could be you could be a parent uh and when you're sitting down to maybe journal in the evening well how how well did i show up today as a parent out of 10 i was a four okay so that's a performance so how can we improve that or how well did i show up today at work or how well did i show up today at whatever that might be as a as a son as a daughter as a mom as a brother sister partner all these things performances people kind of think when you say performance that's the jazz hands and that type of performance not not really but um yeah so it goes across the board and then with regards teams um I, I do an all uh, not an awful lot of work but I, I work with teams um multiple sort of different roles whether that be just being a resource for them individually or in in certain environments that's coming in and looking at the environment itself and trying to not trying to I don't want to use the word trying but creating or improving enhancing the environment or the culture and the, the big thing would be looking to to create psychological safety um within a, a a team environment so the benefit of psychological safety is that people start to take risks and I look at it on a more human level because you want to help the human you want to help the individual but where that helps in with regards performance or with regards teams is that players who take risks improve the team performance. So taking a risk can look like taking a shot or playing a pass that you know it's it's a high tariff pass that you know there's there's a high reward for it. It might work out, but there's a high reward for it. And the only way that you can take that or give that pass or take that shot is that if you feel safe in in your working environment in your sporting environment so that you know you're not worried about other people's opinions if it doesn't if it doesn't work mm -hmm. right okay and so that's really interesting because i thought that 
as you say, I thought that it would have just been like in a sport environment. Um, so it's interesting to see because a lot of people listening probably would be particularly parents um, are probably going, wow, that's, you know, really valuable work. Um, I know that parents are really hard on themselves and then there's all this work out at the minute that seems to be really in the spotlight. Um, and really interests me. I'm not a parent, but I am a uh, a person who obviously would want to heal some parent things and check. We all have our childhood things going on and all that. So um, it's really interesting from from that perspective as well. Um, and what about? Uh, so we talked about. We said that we would talk about stress and cortisol and. Um, sort of like from a sports perspective so if we can take it now into like sports um you had talked about before the sort of increase in injury if someone's feeling a lot more stressed or has a lot more going on in their life um and then I I thought about that in the way of like is is that part of being distracted as well? Just like say being on the pitch, being in a football game, being really distracted, or being on stage dancing for a competition and being really distracted. I suppose all them distractions would be in a way linked with stress. So talk to me a wee bit about stress and the cortisol levels and how that can impact injury or mm. performance. Just just even to give a couple of examples, like just before coming on here, because I know during during the week you'd sent me, or was it last week you'd sent me a, a message about the, the up and coming World Cup and your worries, your own personal worries for the up and coming World Cup. And um, I normally give a few examples when I'm talking to athletes about injuries. So look, I, I know very limited on the, the physicalities of it. You know, I'm no physiotherapist, but I think you have to look uh at a more well-rounded kind of view of where your injury came from because yes it can be biochemical and can be is it called anatomical you know how you move can if 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 you're not moving in in a in a helpful way over time that will lead to deficiencies and and, and create injury but there's the whole other side to the injury that i don't think we look at enough or we give enough credit to and that is the, um, the psychological side of it um like when i talk to, to, to athletes about injury I, I give two examples so one would be um i can't remember his first name or i don't know how to pronounce his first name but dembele who plays for barcelona so he was maybe at that time when he signed the, the third most expensive player in the world and this is a guy who has a very limited record of injury in his in his past career, and then he signs for Barcelona, and suddenly he's he's riddled with injuries, and he spent more time in rehab than he has on the field. Now this year it seems to be a little bit different, and I'd love to I'd love to have a chat with him to understand why it's different. But this this was a guy who didn't have any injuries, and then suddenly full of injuries well why well what's different so now he's, he's dealing with this perceived pressure of of having um a price tag over his head because he's the third most expensive player in history so what has changed there well he's dealing with and i've talked to you before about this um i like to to sort of define stress or where stress comes from as um, it's something that comes from the idea of, of challenge and threat appraisal. So challenge and threat appraisal is how you appraise uh, a situation. So how you look or perceive any situation that you're involved in. And, and it, it normally happens, it happens across the board um, in a motivated environment, which is there's a certain demand. So the demand might be a game or it might be a performance on stage or it might be at work or it might be any of those things. And what your mind does is it looks at the demand and then it weighs up the resources that it thinks that you have available in order to be able to, to deal with that demand. Now, if the demand is huge and you only see your resources as small, what happens is that you switch on a stress response because you see it as a threat. So that stress response then is your fight, flight, freeze or, or something like that, which then you were talking about cortisol. That's when cortisol is released in the body. It's when you have... Um, vasoconstriction when the, the the heart is sort of working on overdrive but it's pumping loads of 
of blood and oxygen uh, and nutrients about around the body to be able to fuel it to deal with this threat. Um, when you're saying about um, focus and, and things like that, you know what it also does is it, it limits your your peripheral vision, so you you're only concentrating on the thing that you can see directly in front of you. And in a contact sport, that means that you're unable to see the thing that comes from the sides because you're, you're, you know, your tunnel vision. So we get a lot of injuries that way. Contact injuries that come from a contact that we normally know how to take, but because we can't see it anymore because we're, we're, we're hyper stressed, we don't get to see it. So it, it, it impacts us and it creates injury. But um, that, that resources and, and, and demands is a really good one because it's perspective. The resources that you believe that you have are perspective. You know, right. and for me, again, stress is is perspective. Let's say it's at work or it's with your boss um, and you feel that you can't cope. So when I'm working with a client, I, I'm kind of clued in on that word cope. I can't cope at work and I can't cope at this and I can't cope. So what you're basically saying is that you don't have the resources to deal with the demand. So if that's the case, then you switch on a stress response. Now, if it's at work, and again, this can be an athlete or it can be just general public. So let's say I'm working with an athlete who has a history of injury. And they go to the physio and they do the rehab and, and the physio tests the strength of a hamstring or something like that and passes them off as, yep, you can go out and you can perform, you can play, you're free to go. And then they re-injure. Well, why, why is that? It's because there's something happening outside your sporting domain that's causing you to weaken the body. And what's happening outside your sporting domain? Well, you know, my boss asked me to do this and I can't, I can't cope. So what that means is I don't believe that I have the resources to deal with the demands that I've been asked to carry out. Mm -hmm. Stress response, that heart goes into overdrive. And I, I like the analogy of, you know, it's a car engine. You've basically... You're in second gear, but you're driving down the motorway where you should be in fifth, sixth gear, you know, so you're really forcing the, the engine to do more than, than it's capable of doing in that gear. And over time, if that's on a daily basis, you're jumping into the car and driving to work and knowing that you're working with that boss or that teammate or that whatever, eventually things start to break down. That's your, your catabolic. Your catabolic is when things break down. So things break down in the car, things are going to start to break down in your body. And one of the things that popped up when I was researching this that that was kind of fascinating was um, in order to maintain that like a prolonged stress response. So that's your stressor on a day to day basis. You know, your boss or whatever that might be. You're building a house you're having to deal with and it's on a day to day continuous basis. In order to fuel that stress response, in order to fuel the, the brain energy that you need, your body then starts to break down your biggest muscle groups to provide the, the, the protein to then give the energy to, to maintain the stress response. And where it normally targets are your glutes and your, your, your hamstring and quads because of the biggest muscle groups. So when, when physios talk about a weak glute and things like that, yes, you can have weak glute because you're not activating it enough, but it's also because it's probably breaking down due to prolonged stress. Yeah. So then you're having a lot of your injuries. Mm-hmm. And just you touched on the catabolic and um, talk to me a wee bit about the catabolic and the anabolic. Um, well, catabolic basically means to break down. I've written down a definition here, which is, you know, destructive metabolism resulting in the breakdown of complex materials within the body. So let's say you go to the gym and you're working out in the gym. You're causing your, your, your body distress. You're causing your muscles distress and you're breaking things down. But then you leave the gym, you go back home, you do your recovery, you have a good night's sleep, you switch on anabolic, and that's that's build up. So I don't know what in complete sort of uh, the complete definition of, of how muscles are built, but I know that, you know, I kind of see it as like this little repair team that sets up a little bit of scaffolding, let's say around the bicep and starts to, to rebuild the bicep and builds it stronger to be able to deal with the next time that it's exposed to that stress or that pressure or that weight. Mm -hmm. That's that's anabolic and that's that's great. And that's how muscles are built. And, and you can actually build your, your emotional muscle in the same way. You can build your focus muscle. So if you're emotionally exposed to a certain amount of stress, 
but then are able to step back and 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 repair and recover and let's say meditate to go back into anabolic again you know lower your heart rate and then you'll be able to take on that amount of emotional stress the next time and, and maybe a little bit more because you're building up that muscle but if you're unable to to go into anabolic so if you come home from work and you don't have any practices in place to recover sort of de-stress lower the heart rate things like that and then you're constantly thinking about work and you're thinking about god i have to go to work the next day or i have to do this the, the following day you're remaining in that catabolic and like as the definition says it turns to break down complex materials within the body mm-hmm. that's your muscles that's your support systems that's where a lot of injuries are coming from because you're remaining in that state which is really unhelpful like don't get me wrong stress is a really bad sort of reputation in certain environments that stress is is really beneficial yeah yeah like even in sport that that little buzz that you're getting from nerves and and, and whatnot for a, a short amount of time you can use that to your advantage or when there's a lion in front of you and you're you're under absolute threat that stress response that fight flight freeze is going to save your life mm-hmm. you know it's, it's really beneficial but prolonged it's not things start to break down like when you look at it and i like to use you know the animal kingdom has a great way to look at it and i think there's that that book is it called something like why do zebras not get ulcers yeah i have it here actually um yeah zebras don't get ulcers i think it's called um yeah that, that's what it's called i have it in my bookshelf beside me as well but i haven't read it yet but i no, haven't read it either animals have uh an inbuilt uh yeah that's that's the problem with books isn't it yeah um, <laughs> there's so many books that i need to read and i'm like oh I have it here beside me and, and I've already sort of pre-absorbed it, even though I, I haven't read it yet. So I think I know what it's about. Yeah. But animals have an inbuilt system that after they, they escape the, the threat, they shake it off and they get the stress out of the body and then they can go back to their best performance. So an animal's best performance is to eat and then reproduce. You know, that's that's an animal's best performance. In certain cases, our best performance is the work that I do at my desk or when I go with teams or whatever that might be. That's my best performance. But I need to not be stressed in order to be at my best performance. But we have either we don't have an inbuilt mechanism or we have sort of mal evolved that we don't release stress from our body. So therefore, if you think of that zebra who who's just escaped, but still maintains that stress it can't eat so therefore it can't reproduce so it can't be at its best it can't perform at its best so that's why it has that inbuilt thing to, to get it out of the system so it goes from catabolic back into anabolic back into best performance whereas we continue to think about our stressor which then means that we're still in that response we, yeah. we, we don't have the thing that goes right so increased adrenaline increased cortisol things that are beneficial for a short amount of time the longer they stay in the system, the more they break it down. So w- what are you going to do about it? You know, it's we we just accept it as that's just how it is. Well, it, it shouldn't be or, or you should put things in place in order to get out of that stress response. Yeah. And it's like it's not only that as well, but like you think people think <clears throat> that they're over it or you know, they're not stressed anymore and they're moving on and, you know, talk about like bigger things or even smaller things that can cause like trauma and things like that um, is it's stored in us somewhere and basically we think that we're okay and then a similar situation happens and we're, boom, we're triggered and then that exact same uh fight or flight mode kicks in again and you know you've got the beating heart and the the fast heart rate and the sweat and you know you're panicking and and that stress just keeps coming back so like yeah it's like (laughs) the stress is like in us until we work on it and heal it and we'll always keep coming back up and back up and I think that's where like chronic stress can come in as well like just constantly feeling stressed for like long periods of time and like years you know I look at even like my granny 
for example, and I go, like, you definitely haven't healed any parts of your life where you may have felt stress, trauma, you know, just of life um, or and loss. And how she now has like diabetes and she's not, you know what I mean? Things like that, that just break the body down, break the body down. Um, sometimes but, even, like, sorry to cut in, but sometimes even... Um, like healing sometimes can 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 frighten people. That word healing can frighten people. Mm. And sometimes it's not even because healing comes, I suppose, from the word trauma. Um, it's your antidote to trauma is to heal and trauma, the, the definition of trauma is 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 a wound, I think. I think that's what it is. Is it like Latin for for wound? But a lot of the times it stress is caused not by wounds, but just perception of of your environment and and yeah how you you feel you have the tools to cope with your environment that resources against the demands so yes for for trauma it's about healing but for for a lot of other things it's just about release yeah but just doesn't that have to be as deep a work to 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 release something there's a quote that i i remember when i was studying and i heard this quote when i was actually I was studying to be a hypnotherapist and i i heard this quote um i think it's feelings that don't find their release through tears will make other organs weep mm. I, I, i've loved that ever since so basically am, am i going to do that thing where i explain the thing that everyone's completely understood but uh if you if you don't release your stress or you don't find a, a release for your emotions at that time mm -hmm. you can't control the impact that that will have internally that will start to work away somewhere so we have huge auto autoimmune diseases a lot of them are caused by chronic stress mm -hmm. because you're not releasing the stress of like your your relationship with your boss can give you autoimmune diseases people go well what does that mean it's because if your boss keeps stressing you sorry to all bosses by the way but if your boss <laughs> and you haven't found a way to deal with that let's say resentment like mm -hmm. a resentment would be a big thing that i work on with people how to deal with resentment because resentment is a really poisonous emotion mm -hmm. let's say let's say i know you and um you have what's the word validated my boundaries emotional boundaries or physical boundaries but i don't talk to you about it i just go well i'm not gonna that, that might just come across as a really petty little thing and then every time i see you i feel resentment i can't have a deep meaningful conversation with you because I'm holding this little bit of resentment. Every time I see you, I switch on that poisonous emotion. And you can't, you can't control how that impacts you internally. So back to that quote, you know, feelings that can't find their their release through tears make other organs weak. Like we we cry to release negative chemicals. It's not just negative emotions, it's negative chemicals. So if you're not crying, uh you can't control what what effect that's actually having on your body. I even know from my myself personally, I've really limited mobility in my toes, but I had a really stressful teenage years where I played sport, where I was so stressed that I was maintaining that within my body. So I, I, I've um, been working on it now with someone. And, and any time that they would touch me in that area, I get flashbacks of, of my youth because that's stored stress. Mm -hmm. It's stored anxiety for me it was performance anxiety so it's stored there within my body so when, when we're talking about that it's it's finding ways to release it you yeah. know yes the deep stuff is is you need to work with someone who understands and, and can help you heal so that's mm -hmm. that's the real deep trauma that's where we need healing but even on a very surface level what can you do just to release the, the surface stress on a daily basis? Having those practices put in place that you come home and, and you go to your journal and, and you get it from in here, internal, and you make it external. So it's no longer in you causing havoc, starting or creating, like um, making things break down. Yeah. And what other, um, so if, if, you know, for people listening who, are like okay well maybe I just need a release like that the example of the animal um actually had that conversation with uh, work friends last week that they just like shake it off um and then they're they're fine um 
which is amazing. I'm so jealous. Uh, <laughs> but like, what what um ways can we as humans, like other than journaling? I'm a big big um journaler. Like, I love I love writing everything down. It really really helps me personally. Um, what other ways can people release? Because obviously, like, I I've got my running. Sometimes having a bath just helps me to be like, oh, um. You know what else can people do if they're not into meditation and you know what I mean? What what can people do to shake it off? So if we talk post-stress, because I think it's important to talk pre-stress too. I think that's let's let's hit the 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 issue right at its sort of um its definition or its beginning. But you see there, it just it made me smile because I wrote an article one time for a, a sports newspaper. To say that all warm-ups should actually be in in sporting in in team sport all warm-ups should be dancing and i got a bit of fleck for that and a bit of stick for that going what you want people to dance you imagine how free you would feel going into a competitive game if you just you've just spent the last 10 15 minutes dancing <laughs> you know that freedom that it gives you because you can't be stressed when you're dancing even if it's stupid dancing if it's whatever like so an animal that shakes, well, dancing's the same thing, shake, but but move and, and make it fun. Mm-hmm. You couldn't be uptight going into a game when the game's about to start. If you've just spent the last 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the change room with your friends, music on, dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very physical way of saying to your body, we're safe, we're secure. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's what you want at the end of the day. Your, your mind's number one job is to keep you alive on the planet. And it does by th- that by keeping you safe and keeping you secure. And that doesn't know what's right or wrong or what's most beneficial. It just does what it thinks is safe and secure. Like even, I was I was driving home last night and I know I'm getting away from the point. I'll actually write that down actually. Pre-stress <laughs> uh, option or whatever. Okay, let's get back to that, Garth. But something popped up last night. I was driving back from, from working in Derry and it takes me about 55 minutes. And I'd noticed that I'd got a message come through on my phone from someone who I wanted to reply to. And I picked up the phone. And then I went, no, oh, you know, I'm not replying to this, you know, because it's, it's, I'm driving a car and I don't want to be texting while I'm driving a car. But then I, I kind of asked myself, look, my, my mind's number one job is to keep me alive on the planet why is it making me do something that isn't actually good for my security? So I think there's like an order of merit, not an order of merit, but an order of importance of the decisions that it's going to make that it thinks are most important for your survival. And for me, when I was sort of thinking about that one, why that texting someone was more important than my security or safety in the car, does that mean then that in order of importance, your connection with other people is way more important for your security and your survival than the actual physical thing that you're doing. Mm. Like, what, what do you think about that? That's so interesting. Yeah, because I, I would be the same. Like, um, I would be a, a self-confessed people pleaser. And so that, what you said there at the end, really resonated with me in the sense of, um, like, needing that connection with other people and needing to make other people happy in order for me to be happy so that's something that I have been working on a lot lately um and there's what is it is it in order to make you happy or is it in order to make you feel safe yeah maybe in order to make me feel safe like everybody around me has to be happy and you know like have a have I done my visits this week and you know all this so I'm really working on getting away from that because the more work that I do on myself through um I work with a a therapist sort of sort of more like a spiritual sort of therapist um and I have been for I've had a few sessions so far um and there's the reason why is just noticing lots of the same patterns showing up again in my life and I'm like right this is needs to stop um so a big big part of that has brought me to a place of like a process of elimination almost and that's with people <laughs> very much with people um so that's that's your your troop drive 
that's yeah. your, your 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 drive to be part of a group which is a, a huge thing and it and it makes us make all our drives that we have makes us make too many bad decisions mm. because it doesn't care about your actual general day-to-day well-being and happiness it cares about carla surviving and being able to uh, contribute to her group so that she has group safety in order for her to uh prolonged species is a big part of it too you know and 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 people sort of push that one to one side but we have to give that real importance it mightn't look like it's logical but you have this drive to to please people in order for you to feel safe in your group so you don't feel rejection mm. that's 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 a huge part of it like we have troop drives we have ego drives dominance drives food security drives actual security drives, we have uh, reproductive drives, territory drives, and all these things switch on the, the, the survival part of your brain. And it's just basically, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's where the blood goes in your brain. Does it go to the, is it the amygdala where we have the survival drives or does it go to the prefrontal cortex where you're you, it's the human part of you, it's the conscious part, the decision-making, the logical part, the person that you want to be on a day-to-day basis yeah blood going there or is it going there and if yeah. it goes to this other place we can make some really crappy decisions <laughs> yeah without, without having any control because we have no control over that we can we can talk to it and we can quieten it and we can you know uh reason with it but we have no control over it mm-hmm. like yours is the same as mine we both have the same thing and i love the example that i give with regards to the, the territory drive which is Let's say I'm sitting at a table and you're sitting there on the other side and we both have our laptops and we both have our coffees and I set my coffee on your side of the table. Now, there's no line, but we've both made a, an imaginary line in the middle of the table that says, this is my territory, that's your ter- territory. And I set my, my my water and my coffee on your side. That's going to piss you off. <laughs> it's not going to piss off the logical you. The you who's just able to go, well, that's just a cup of coffee. And all I have to say is, Garth, do you mind if I just put that there? I need that space. That's going to piss off the, the the sort of survival part of you that says, who do you think you are? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it makes you react. And I use the word react really consciously. It makes you react in a way that later on you look at it and you, you sum up your day and you go, I don't really like that I spoke to Garth like that because that's not me. Of course, yeah. it's not you. It's that that other part. So, like when you're talking about getting all your visits in and and things like that, that are, aren't actually benefit. Not that they're not beneficial, but they aren't the you that you want to be, because mm-hmm. it's driven by something else. It's been driven by your really basic survival drive to be part of a troop. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's really interesting and definitely food for thought. And like, if we um, I'd love to chat about this for ever and a day but if we tied this back into like the situation with your boss or even with family or with particularly sport um and like that's that's what i've written down then that that pre-stress option is important as well so we can have post-stress what are we going to do if we have a really stressful day at work so are we going to come back and are we going to go for a walk in nature because that's really beneficial nature has that really good benefit of switching us from catabolic to anabolic like if you walk around a forest i live close to peatlands park if i walk around peatlands park within 10 minutes the stress Mm -hmm. that i had that's led me there is almost resolved i have a plan of action because i'm no longer in that survival (laughs) only beneficial in in real emergency circumstances i'm no longer there i'm back to garth i'm back to conscious thinking i'm going well what's the plan how am i going to deal with this let's put things in place so walking in nature, sleep is the most important. Good sleep, anabolic, really good. Um, being social, social recovery is really important as well. Because again, we go back to that group thing. When you're in a group with people who you trust and, 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 and who you like, the more eyes that you have protecting your environment, the more that you can de-stress it's the it's the troop thing it's the gazelle the gazelle or the zebra on its own doesn't perform at its best it's stressed because there could be an attack from anywhere put them in it's it's herd there's so many eyes looking at the environment that it's safe so it's safety so being with a group is a good way to de-stress um 
meditating is a great way to de-stress because if you're only concentrating on your breath and you're not thinking about your boss mm-hmm. um so these are things post stress but i think it's really good to, to hit the thing head on and look at pre-stress why am i stressed i'm stressed because i don't believe that i can cope with this thing my resources at the minute aren't big enough to deal with the demands mm. go and improve your resources no. when, you, when you say resources it keeps uh and i wrote this down at the start and i keep meaning to go back to it when you say resources it automatically makes me think mm. of um so like support and like if you're feeling if you don't have resource at work or you don't have you know resource at home or um in your your team um then you're not feeling supported so you're again feeling unsafe and you're um you know you you don't have you don't have that support so like if we look at that from a uh like a sport perspective um as well like <clears throat> There's such a lack of support um, for players in general, for um, people, you know, in the in the team or who work in and around the team. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I heard about that um, Arsenal um, documentary on Netflix. Apparently they got like a liaison officer in and they really looked after like player, player, like player to player, player car and making sure that everybody was okay and like what did they need and giving them all of that support but like let's be honest it's not available for the majority so um like you kind of you have to kind of do it do what you need to do for yourself in a way you know that's that's like that's a big part of my role in teams I when people ask what I do and I think I might have said it at the beginning of this I'm not sure but I'm I'm a resource Mm. find myself as a resource quite consciously so then people go well, I've got that resource in my background I can contact yeah. that whenever like um and you're talking about support and things like that and what do resources look like so it does look like social support from your friends from your family it also looks like understanding the if, if, if I'm looking at, at that thing that I need to do so if we're looking at sport what's the thing that I need to do it looks like improving those skills so that could be communication improving your communication skills whether that be reading the book and 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 doing the activities the book asks you to do so that over time you actually become a better communicator or whether that be technical things so if there's certain things in, within the game that that you're not maybe capable of doing because let's say I'm going to play a game at the weekend and I'm marking a certain player and I know that that certain player is going to be very good so I've diminished my resources and I've increased the demands and I don't have enough to be able to deal with this player what do I not have enough of am I not fit so let's improve our fitness let's improve our ability to tackle let's improve our ability to whatever 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 increase your resources so that anytime that you go into that motivated situation your resources are bigger than your demands then you see it as a challenge and your your mind just goes bring it on let's mm-hmm. go that's what you want so yes it's really important to have our post sort of stress response um, interventions in place that we can deal with it. But why not improve our, our resources as well? Yeah, I 100% agree. Like prevent preventing stress. I mean, we're never going to fully pre- prevent stress, but if we can work to, like, for example, before you go into like a, a, a situation that you may perceive as being stressful. So aside from all the things that you've said about you know, if you're going to go into a game and it's giving you stress or you feel like you need to up your resources, then get fitter or, you know, uh, research the player that you're going to be marking or whatever, you know, be prepared ultimately. Um, but in a in a work sense or a personal life sense or, you know, with a family member that you know that you're literally, you feel like you're about to be fed to the lions and you're like, oh my god just take a deep breath and try to like I've done this in work so many times before a big meeting because I believe it or not get a wee bit terrified when I have to public speak so um I would do a bit of breath work like taking deep breaths and 
trying to just calm down the central nervous system, trying to make my body feel safe. Um, and yeah. So you getting terrified, terrified of public speaking is, tell me why. Why do you get uh, terrified of public speaking? I actually got like, my, my I got like butterflies in my stomach there, like in a bad way, like real anxious, even when you asked me that question. Um, I don't know. Um, do you I believe can... that you have the skills or that you're good at it? Yeah, I think I think um when I'm extra prepared for something, it's it's not as bad. But so that's your resources. Being yeah. extra prepared, your resources. So therefore, when you go in knowing that your resources are quite big, you go, oh, okay, I can kind of deal with the demands of this thing. Again, it comes back to that resource and demand. So what I would get you to do is yes, do your breathing, lower that heart rate. You know, you're, you're working with your central nervous system write out all the things that you know that you do well mentally and then physically increase your resources mm. like I, I like if, if i'm doing it or if any of my clients and it's not always athletes and people in, in general public as well you know we have a wealth of resources that, that we haven't pinpointed so we're not actually adding them into the equation of what do i have what do i have to work with here well i i know this topic I can this, I can that, I'm very good at this, I'm really good at listening, I'm whatever, whatever, write down your physical resources, like, I created a, a performance book for athletes, and a big part of it is to just note their training, and their whatever it is that they're doing on a daily and weekly basis, so you have a book full of resources, so that when you have a big game or a, a big motivated situation, you can look back and go, yeah, I've done all the work. So you're just increasing those resources. So when you're going into that public speaking, write out, really physically make the effort to write out all the things that you do well. So force your mind to then go, we have a wealth of resources. Mm-hmm. Like what, what's the quote? The, um, the smallest pencil is longer than the lo- longest memory. So get everything written down. Mm-hmm. And then you you start to see the difference in you're kind of going, yeah, okay, let's let's go. Yeah, good tip. I'll try that next time because I actually have a I have a webinar coming up um in a few weeks time, so I'll give that a go. <laughs> try it next time because if you say it, I'm going to try that. Your mind's going, yeah, fair enough. Try whatever you want. We're not we're not going to do it. Imagine, <laughs> I you, imagine I said to you. Um, I'm trying to quit smoking. What are you automatically thinking? You're never going to do it. Yeah, because that word try doesn't work. Your mind just goes, you know what? Nah. I'll do it next time. I'll do it. (laughs) I'm going to do that next time. And your mind's automatically thinking, yeah, okay, let's let's do it. So try is one of those buzzwords. The other one is I don't know. Like I have two kind of things that I always really look out for with a client where I go, so you ask the question, and they go, you know what, guys? I don't know. And I don't know is just basically a smokescreen that you're putting up because you don't want to reveal the truth about the thing because you know, you always know. Mm. I actually said, when you asked me why I don't like public speaking, I actually said, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but then did you, you know that? I noted that, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to, 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 to pop up in a, in a really public domain and, and sort of say, hey, okay, so we're not going to, we're not going to do that. I don't know what what is it. Yeah, no, it's 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 um. I'll, I'm liking your approach because like um. I don't know if you've watched any um Gabermate stuff. He's been on with Tim Ferriss and um Joe Rogan, and he literally like he literally questions them about their childhood. Like on the episode, <laughs> you can see them getting so uncomfortable, but it's really interesting. Like what comes up, um. But yeah, um, so tell me uh, a wee bit, I know we'll probably finish up shortly, but just tell me a wee bit about, um, go go back a wee bit to stress impacts injury um, and just tell me a wee bit about that. I know we spoke a wee bit about it, but just give me a wee bit of a, a sort of overview on that. 
So for me, with regards to stress, impact, and injury, it goes back to that sort of prolonged catabolic breakdown mm-hmm. um, where everything starts to weaken. So if you continue to, to be in a stress response, so if you imagine that car and that engine and the stress response is basically you driving in second gear. But if you do that every day for a prolonged period of time, parts of the car will break down and the engine of the car will break down and, and everything will break down. So the body's kind of the same. Everything will start to break down. Like your support systems, so that's your SELs and your ankles and, and, and things like that. It's starting to, to, to weaken. And like a lot of the SEL injuries that I would work with, it's through movements that they've done hundreds, if not thousands of times. So why that one time did it collapse? And you might get someone saying, yeah, but look, I'm our best player, and but I just feel like I'm, I'm under a huge amount of pressure. I'm under a huge amount of pressure to perform. And your mind takes on board what you say is literal. It takes it on board as literal. People go, well, what do you mean by that? Well, what does an actor do if they want to cry? So they think about sad things and then they have a really physical, literal reaction to that. Or I used to work with kids and I used to get them to do the, the lemon example, which I love, which is close your eyes. Imagine that you've got a lemon under your your chin half a lemon you can smell it you can squeeze it and now i want you to shove it in your mouth and i want you to chew down on it and i want you to to feel the juices going around your mouth and get kids pulling faces and then, i can actually taste it right now yeah and then what what we do is we stop and we go well has anything changed and they go well, i've got loads of saliva in my mouth so where's the lemon well there is no lemon well there is a lemon because your mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not real it just believes what you say to it so like that's that's what we have to be really really careful of, of what we say to our bodies like i was talking to someone yesterday and um they said to me there there's something going on in sport but it's been resolved however they can feel their body really tight because there was a huge amount of stress involved huge amount of anxiety and they said to me i feel like i'm going to get injured well guess what you're probably going to get injured mm. because you're given that command to your mind and it's it's weakening weakens the body so anyone who says i'm under huge amounts of pressure that's metaphorical or, or non-physical pressure for you you're just talking about this this idea of pressure but for your mind and therefore for your body that's real pressure like the body language of someone who's under pressure curled in shoulders why because there's a weight like i've even written down here because i was thinking about athletes who who'd been injured David Beckham, pre-World Cup, when he got them to the World Cup, or was it the Euros, where he'd scored that free kick, and then he got injured. Because all the newspaper headlines were, the weight of a nation rests on his shoulders. You're like, yeah, fair enough. Well done. You've just created a physical, because if he's absorbing that, you've just created physical pressure on the body, and it can only, you know, deal with that amount of pressure for a, a certain amount of time and then it gives way like mm. so again i've written down a couple of names dimbelli eden hazard was never really injured for chelsea suddenly he's constantly injured for real madrid rude van Nistelrooy had um, a lot of talk about him signing for man united did his acl pre-signing for him um what's his name jamie redknapp and I think you'd maybe seen that little clip on my my Instagram where Jimmy yeah. Redknapp's on a on a golf channel, um, playing golf with tubes, and they talk about his career, and how he never got injured for Liverpool, but he always got injured for uh, England. And then he said he just has a little aha moment where he goes, "But I never felt stress playing for Liverpool, and I always did for playing for England. Maybe that's got something to do with it." And you're like, well, "Yeah, it really does. It really does because you've weakened your 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 body through that prolonged amount of stress." You've weakened your body. You've made yourself susceptible. Now, I think it's maybe important to say that, and maybe I should have said that from the beginning, you make yourself susceptible. You're not making yourself injured, but you are increasing the chances. Yeah, yeah. Mad, isn't it? Yeah, like that one, that one was a real, when I was watching, and I was just watching that because I like golf. So I was watching that video and suddenly he said it and I went, 
went online. I was like, how do I take like, a video screenshot from a YouTube video? And then I had to download a thing on my phone to be able to do it. Because I was like, he said it. It's there. It's the aha moment of you got to listen to that. we got to take that into consideration when we're working with injury. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think people do take that into consideration enough? People are starting to, but it's the same with everything else within well-being or wellness or, or we're only starting to see it. And we're only, we're only starting to see it now because the sense is very slowly starting to show us how it works. Um, epigenetics, things like that. Um, what's it called? Neuro, why am I forgetting that one? The sense of neuro neuro it's not neurology but it's 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 um i'm forgetting that science but it's all shown us how the brain functions and the relation between your, your psychosomatic so the relationship between the brain and the rest of the body yeah you know? and um that's why we're, we're starting to see it and they're starting to see certain modalities come in like as part of my master's i was studying um psychophysiology and, and the impact of uh on the body so your your stress response and your vasoconstriction your 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 dilation and your tunnel vision because of how you think yeah well keep up your work because uh the world needs it (laughs) obviously and uh what is your plans going forward what have you got coming up um so i'm kind of in right now in a bit of maybe no man's land but there's loads of not loads of, I'm not going to lie about that. There are a few options on the, the table about the up and coming season with regards to teams. But um, I like to work as well, just individually. I'm working, I've started to work with, um, and this is something that I love. I've started to work with a physio clinic who appreciate the mental and emotional side of, of injury and injury rehab as well. So they've taken me on board with that as um, almost three tier. So one is, a, is as a life coach, just for anyone who, you don't need to use the, the clinic for injury just to, to be able to, to work on that side, that element. Like life coaching, I think is really beneficial um, because it's solution-based. It's about where do we want to go from here? What can we put in place in order to, to get better? You know, I, it's not to say that there's no benefit from... Um, uh therapist because that's that's really beneficial with regards healing Mm -hmm. i would say life coaching i would never want to really work in someone's deep trauma because i'm not i'm not qualified to do that you know that's that's a different type of work that needs to be done with regards healing childhood trauma or really big traumas in your in your life but the other thing which which i love about life coaching is you can do it at any time you don't have to be experiencing anything negative yeah. to increase your, your, your life performance. So it's with, with, with the clinic, it's re, with regards life coaching, it's re, with regards um, performance for athletes, and then it's with regards performance for business mm-hmm. uh, and how people can get the best out of themselves and optimize that, that sort of area of your life. But they come kind of thinking you're going to focus on business and then we go, we go back to kind of life coaching again because it's, the base of who you are like mm-hmm. i called one of my programs that i run backbone and people are asking is that because you're saying people are kind of weak and sort of you know floppy and whatnot and they don't have a spine or spineless it's like well, not at all it's because all those key areas of your life your health and fitness your intellectual life your emotional life your character your spiritual life your social life your family life your love relationship your work life your finances they're all like vertebrae in the spine. Mm. Any one of those vertebrae is out of alignment, then it causes pain everywhere else. You know, you're you're compromising everything else. So you can't, like, let's say financially, uh, my vertebrae was out of alignment. That's going to impact my relationships with other people because I'm going to be stressed about that. And then through that, I'm not going to, I don't want to then go to the gym because I'm, demotivated and whatever that might be so that's impacting my health and fitness and then it's impacting my emotional life and it's impacting my sleep so it's impacting so when any one of those things is out of alignment alignment everything else gets compromised so that's that's why i called it 
what I did called the backbone, just because we want to get all the vertebrae in sync and in balance and, and be performing well in those areas. That's really good. I'm going to remember that one. Um, thanks. Is there anything else you want to add or any books that you want to recommend to people or? Um, I have a whole, <laughs> looking beside me here, I have a whole bookshelf. I was actually on a podcast last week talking about books. Books are brilliant. Absolutely brilliant for gaining knowledge. But sometimes people think that the work's done through reading a book. Mm -hmm. But if the book isn't driving you to take action, then you're no different. And it almost has an, a negative impact. You're like, I know all this, but nothing's changing. Well, what have you put into practice? What have you put into place to make the steps to move forward? So books are great. My, my favorite book, maybe, if I have one, probably the book that's most important to me that made lots of things change is a book called Becoming Supernatural okay. by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, yeah, I've heard of his work, yeah. So that was the first book I read a few years ago when I started to work with a coach because I am I used to be um, a writer and I was suffering from huge amounts of writer's block. So I started working with a, a coach and she got me reading a different type of literature and that was, she introduced me to Joe Dispenza and then I ordered that book and then everything changed. Like everything changed. Even the next relationship that I got in was from that book. Because it, all it talks about synchronicities and it talks about, you know, how to manifest a lot of things by aligning your energy with with what it is that you want to manifest. And, you know, the, 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 the attachment and the alignment and how to, you know, I'm, I'm describing it in a really poor way. No, it, it sounds good. It's a, and what I do then, um, I'll just pop that in the notes as well um, so that people can go on and have a look at it. And I will definitely be doing that as well. So Yeah, look, it's brilliant. But the 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 partner that I then met was reading the same book on a terrace oh, and wow. just walked past them. And, and this book talks about, you know, picking up signs from the universe. And I was like, well, here's one. So I yeah. went over and, and talked to her and, and, and from that was in a relationship for a couple of years from because of that book. Yeah, I'm um, actually something similar happened to me with um the artist way by Julia Cameron. I don't know that one. Oh my god, you need to read it. You will absolutely um love it. I think anyway. Um, it's like basically about reconnecting with your inner artist and like, um, it gets you to like write more and write poems and paint and like do things like weekly tasks, different weekly tasks for twelve weeks just to like reconnect back with like play and fun. Um, I've actually, I've done it, but um, it was last year and I definitely want to do it again. Um, I always get back to this place where I feel like, um, similar to what you said, mental blocks and back to like feeling stuck again. It always happens. So I need to keep, um, I need to, I definitely want to do that book again. And I'm going to check out that Joe Dispenser book that you mentioned as well. But um. I think a lot of it actually comes from my career and where I actually kind of should or want to be Um, because I work in advertising and then I've got this whole podcast and teach yoga and the whole wellness side of things, which, which is where my interests and worlds are probably more aligned, you know, but um, the book Julia Cameron, um, the company I work for now um, is a Dublin based advertising agency and um, I got approached by a recruiter and they were like, um, would you be interested in speaking to this company? And I was like, nah, I'm okay where I am. Like, no. And they kept on. And then I just was like, all right, I'll have a call and I'll just see how it goes. And on the call was the CEO of the company. And um, randomly, uh, we just clicked and I asked her, has she read uh, The Artist's Way? And it was just like a whoa moment. I took the job. So um yeah, books are really important um, to me as well, definitely. There's one maybe look into as well. Uh, I don't have it here, but it's called Big Ideas. I can't remember who it's by, but okay. it's it's a great little book about for anyone who's who's well, I don't want to say for anyone who's creative so that other people don't read it. But uh, it's about how ideas don't live within you. They live out there, you know, and, and you're just lucky that they've decided to settle mm -hmm. on you. 
But if you don't take action on that idea, it'll go to someone else. And that's why a lot of times you have this idea and then you don't take action on it. And then suddenly somewhere, somewhere else does that thing. And you go, well, that was my idea. It's because <laughs> yeah. that idea is just decided, well, if you're not going to put energy into me, I'm going to go to someone else who will. And so it, it, it uh-huh. kind of really motivated me to, to spend time my ideas. I get my clients to... Um, to create space for ideas, to note them down. Let's say you go for a walk, that's where I have my ideas, use my phone voice note, and then create space in their day so that they have, you can call it whatever you want. If you want to call it something like game changer time or whatever, they spend time on their ideas. They give energy to their ideas. So they take action on their ideas on a, either a daily or a weekly basis because mm-hmm. our ideas are, are, are us, you know? It's like where our creativity lies. Yeah. And there's such a sense of fulfillment when you bring a, an idea into reality. But that only happens when you actually apportion it a certain amount of importance and time in your day. And if you don't have that in your schedule, you won't. Yeah, definitely. I think that's where a lot of it comes down to like having the time as well. Like when you're constantly working or, you know, and filling every hour of every day, there's no space. And when you take a step back from things, and you give yourself that mental space, that's really where things start to shift for me anyway. Do you have time or do you create time? Yeah, well, you need to create the time. I believe you need to eliminate things that just aren't, you know, and then that's where the time comes in, definitely. Um, But look, thank you for coming on. That was, uh, that was a real curveball for me, actually, because um, I we had planned to talk about sport injury stress and then we just got so much more from that episode so thank you so much you're welcome thank you for having me thanks for coming on